0: So today I'm going to really focus on what do we know about iron deficiency from a gastroenterologist or a practitioner standpoint, what you should be thinking of. And the first thing is to recognize the magnitude of the problem. It's the most common uh, manifestation of IBD we see, short of IBD itself. 16 to 74% of patients have iron deficiency anemia with IBD. So it's a relatively common scenario to see this. If you look based on the age groups, there are different rates of occurrence, anywhere from 40 to 70% children having some of the highest rates. But the most common scenario you may see this is in the hospitalized patients. Nearly three quarters of hospitalized patients will have anemia, and we'll define what we mean by anemia as well characterization of this in a little time directly. If we look at the common causes of anemia in IBD, the most common cause is iron deficiency anemia, followed by anemia of chronic disease. And then we have a smattering of other types that are more discussed but less frequently seen. With Crohn's, we see B12 deficiency, folate deficiency can be seen, drug-induced anemia with sulfasalazine, the thiopurines, and other medications, and some more rare associations. Hemolysis, myelodysplastic syndrome has been associated with the use of antimicrobial therapy and others. So, when seeing anemia, the first thing is to say how severe is it and what's the cause. And if you look at characterization of anemia in the United States, um, the factors associated with this, so when you see the patient in the office, you may say, what are the things that I have to look at? Well, women are more common than males. CRP elevation is associated with it, and that would make sense because if disease is active, you're more likely to have ulceration and inflammation, and they're bleeding. SED rate as well. The use of an immune modulator as well, or a biologic. And again, suggesting a more moderate to severe disease is more likely to have anemia, though it's not exclusively found in that patient population. And then prior surgery as well. So these are things that make sense and should be in the forefront of your mind thinking about this. Not only the treatment of the actual disease itself with the appropriate therapy, but the complications of the disease. And anemia is a marker of disease activity, and it's associated with pretty significant healthcare utilization. And this is one of many studies that have looked at individuals that have anemia over a duration of time. And as a marker of quality, this can be looked at as well. So over one to two years or over greater than three years, and if you look, those that had over three years had more phone calls, emergency department visits. GI division visits, and hospitalizations, again suggesting a more durable long term anemia is associated with overall worse outcomes in patients directly. And also postoperatively. If we look at post op complications in IBD, uh, we can see those that had no anemia in the red versus those that had anemia, morbidity is higher, serious morbidity, mortality as well length of stay, post-op sepsis, and re So these are factors we often look at, but it's a marker to say these are potentially things that may come about. So it might raise your quote dander, if you would, and say, hey, think of this as a complication. So you may say, I forget how iron is absorbed and what goes on. I'm just going to review that to go over the basics. So you have one to two milligrams uh, a day that is absorbed in the duodenum after taking in, say, anywhere from uh, approximately 18 milligrams a day. So it's a relatively small amount that is taken in. This then gets absorbed. It goes into the plasma in the form of transferrin, and it may go to the muscle or the skeletal system, but most of it goes to the skeletal system uh, directly. You have circulating erythrocytes, hemoglobin, that come about from the skeletal system, and it's then circulating, but gets degraded. The reticuloendothelial system, the macrophages, etc., may degrade this, and the liver as well is involved in its metabolism of the production of transferrin. So this cycle is important, and when you have someone that has active inflammation, you get blocks in certain areas, as is illustrated by the red bars. Iron absorption goes down, and we'll talk about the mechanism for that directly, And then also, the RE system is not necessarily as active. So these are things that lead to less iron available to the body. And frequently, anemia may come about. And we'll talk about specifics as regards to the anemia associated with active IBD. There's several factors associated with the presence of iron deficiency anemia in inflammatory bowel disease. One is the blood loss, it makes sense. You have ulcerations in the bowel, the colon, the small bowel, depending on your disease. The second is you get reduced iron absorption. So it may be due to surgical resections. Remember, the duodenum and the jejunum are the most common sites of absorption. So if you have someone that has a bypass operation of the proximal GI tract, they're not gonna get absorbed. But also, there's a mechanism whereby the iron transport protein is inhibited by active inflammation. Dietary intake may be lessened and patients may go on things such as carbohydrates or other things to lessen the pain they might have, if you would, from strictures and Crohn's. And then hepcidin. So this is an agent, hepcidin is a chemical in the body, if you would, that's produced in the liver and it mediates the uptake of iron. And this is illustrated in this cartoon. So, what happens is the yellow is the epithelial cell directly that one might see in the small bowel, such as the duodenum or proximal jejunum. And iron is taken in orally, absorbed, and it goes through a transport protein. The transport protein is illustrated here, and this is ferroportin. And this is associated with uh, the transport through the enterocyte into the bloodstream. What happens is in states of active inflammation, uh, hepcidin is escalated. Hepcidin blocks ferroportin and leads to its degradation and hence the iron cannot be taken up through the enterocyte. So the iron absorption is impaired and you have subsequent development of iron deficiency directly. Is hepcidin elevated in IBD? Well, there's several studies. This is one of these. They looked at IBD patients and healthy controls. Hepcidin levels were higher in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's than in the healthy population, and they correlated with disease activity and also correlated somewhat with CRP. So the key thing to remember is Hepcidin negatively correlated with ferritin, and it makes sense, so hepcidin goes up, it blocks the uptake of iron through the enterocyte, and you get less absorption, hence you could get iron deficiency directly. So to summarize these points, anemia is the most common complication of IBD, if we look at all complications. The key factors that we have associated with anemia are disease severity, complications, surgery itself, and prior biologic and immune modulator use. Again, markers of more severe disease. Anemia itself is a marker of disease activity and associated with significant healthcare utilization. Uh, It's the most common form of anemia in IBD, is iron deficiency, and globally it's estimated about 30% of all people in the world, based on WHO standards, have iron deficiency anemia. Again, a very prevalent common problem. Iron absorption in the duodenum comes about in the upper jejunum through the enterocyte, circulates in plasma, it then gets taken up and is bound to transferrin, and it goes throughout the body. And overexpression of hepcidin in active IBD will lead to reduced iron absorption. So with that in mind, I think it's important to look at some of the things we see clinically in clinical practice. To start with, there's a lot of symptoms we can ascribe associated with iron deficiency anemia. Many patients come to see you in the office, they have IBD, and they say, doc, I'm just tired. I have fatigue, it's overwhelming. And anemia may be one of the most common things. Obviously, think of other things as well in the right setting for Crohn's B12 deficiency. Physical function, work disability, Some of the more common things, restless leg syndrome may be prevalent in about 20% of patients that have iron deficiency, and it's correctable with treatment of iron therapy in patients that have iron deficiency. Cognitive impairment and hair loss. So hair loss is another thing. There are many things that can be associated with hair loss in IBD corticosteroids, immune modulators, rarely biologic therapy, severity of disease itself, zinc deficiency, to name a few, but clearly iron is often overlooked, and many patients walk around with anemia and are undertreated, if you would, in clinical practice. If we look at the physical function effect of anemia, iron deficiency anemia, and this is from uh, data using the SF36, the physical component itself. And remember, it's a scale of 100, the SF36. It's a non-specific, if you would, quality of life index, physical function. If you look at individuals on the right and the red, IBD with iron deficiency anemia had a score of 44. It's very similar to chronic lung disease, MI, severe arthritis, depression, or cancer. So it's got significant impairment in physical function with quality of life. Not only physical, but mental. And we look at the IBD uh, with iron deficiency on the right. Uh, Again, the SF-36 being the main instrument, uh, which has been around for years and used in many venues, 40. And again, it's similar to chronic lung disease, psoriasis, things of the nature, and depression. So these are significant physical and mental impairment associated with this, based upon these uh, evaluations. So what do you do in the office? You see the patient. You want to get some blood tests done to see, are they anemic? Physical exam is not very good at detecting anemia, only when it's severe. So get a CBC with differential, a serum ferritin, and we're going to go through what it is that you need to do with these, obviously. Transfer and saturation, a CRP, creatinine, and a reticulocyte count and if the cause of anemia is not identified then get other studies secondarily b12 spot methylmalonic acid and a high level will correlate with low b12 level body stores folic acid and remember it's not the serum folic acid it's the red cell folate which corresponds with your six-week folic acid levels haptoglobin looking for hemolysis LDH similarly and when needed a bone marrow aspirate to see does this patient have a myelodysplastic syndrome or other disorder. When we look at different stages of anemia, we have normal individuals, then we have those that have iron depletion, iron-deficient erythropoiesis, and then finally iron deficiency with anemia. And there's different stages of anemia based on WHO standards. And I'll go through the definition shortly, what I mean when I'm saying anemia based upon this. So with iron depletion, the serum ferritin is the first thing to go down. And patients may complain of dyspnea with walking upstairs or with exertion as a common symptom that they have with this. Iron-deficient erythropoiesis is when you have the ferritin goes down, the serum iron and transferrin saturation go down, and the MCV goes down as well, but your hemoglobin is normal yet. So you're in iron deficient erythropoiesis and you can have these factors directly. And the final stage is when you get the absolute anemia with the iron deficiency and your hemoglobin drops. So once again, this is easier to recognize and still, They require supplementation regardless of the stage you're in. And we'll talk about oral versus parenteral therapy when it's appropriate. So WHO standards. Men and women have different levels, if you would, because menstruation is associated with women. And non-pregnant women, a level less than 12 is considered to be anemia. For men, the definition is 13 grams uh, directly per deciliter. And then there's mild, moderate, and severe. And moderate is a hemoglobin in the non-pregnant woman of 8 to 10.9. Pregnant women are about a gram lower, so it's 7 to 9.9, 9. and men, 8 to 10.9. So severe anemia, hemoglobin of 7 to 8. And these patients have significant impairment when it comes to their quality of life. So how do you differentiate things as it relates to lab parameters. And we mentioned the ferritin, what do you do? So when you have adequate iron stores, your ferritin is typically greater than 100. If you have active inflammation, recognize that ferritin is an acute phase reactant, and the cutoff for iron deficiency in patients that have active IBD, for example, is going to be 100. So you can look at saturation, and that will be low, that's regardless of the state of inflammation, But depleted iron stores during active IBD less than 100 is what you want as opposed to the standard which we would consider 30 in those that have inactive, in-remission IBD or other general conditions. And the saturation level we look for is 15 or less to consider it iron deficiency. If you want to differentiate between iron deficiency anemia and anemia of chronic disease, certain things can be obtained and those labs we talked about. The iron is going to be decreased in both conditions. The transferrin is going to be increased in iron deficiency anemia, and that's a key, whereas chronic disease is going to be normal or decreased. Transferrin saturation doesn't help you. Ferritin is decreased in iron deficiency anemia, where it can be normal to increased in chronic disease. CRP will help to look to see, is there active inflammation? But remember, in ulcerative colitis, about 50% of patients mount CRP. In Crohn's 60 to 80%. So it's not all patients have that, and it's not always as reliable as we would like it to be, or sensitive. And then EPO is increased in iron deficiency, but it's inadequate for the degree of inflammation in anemia of chronic disease. And then there's the combination of both of these. (coughs) So to differentiate, you have the transferrin, the ferritin, and the CRP. Now, how do you classify anemia? So you see the patient in the office, you say, what do they have? And one of the easiest ways to differentiate is to say, are they microcytic, normocytic, or macrocytic, based on their indices? If they're microcytic, you want to check the reticulocyte count, and if it's elevated, then you go and see, is it a thalassemia? you do an electrophoresis. If it's decreased or normal, then you look for iron deficiency anemia or iron deficiency or a hereditary form of anemia. If it's normocytic, you go through the algorithm and look directly for factors, or if it's macrocytic, then go through as well. So it's a very simple, easy-to-use clinical algorithm that helps you to differentiate what the source of anemia is. So to summarize, The workup for anemia in patients with IBD should be performed if the hemoglobin is below the WHO standard directly. And remember, for men, the WHO standard is 12. For women, uh, it's lower, obviously, because of menstruation. Um, And then workup should include MCV, reticulocyte count, CBC with differential, serum ferritin, saturation of transferrin and a CRP, and then do additional workup for anemia if you don't identify it based on your initial parameters and it's not due to iron deficiency directly. The ferritin, transferrin, and CRP are helpful in differentiating iron deficiency anemia uh, and chronic disease anemia. Thank you.